0: Well hi everyone and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks. Today we are going to be talking with Ginger Smith who is living with dementia and I can't wait to hear her story. It sounds almost unreal but that's not uncommon when it comes to dementia with the struggles of getting diagnosed so I know we're going to have a fascinating conversation but before uh, I introduce you to Ginger I want to just encourage you to go to Alzheimer'sSpeaks.com, Check out all of our free educational resources. That's what they're there for. You can also access our book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. It's a great way to get a conversation started of, you know, if you're diagnosed, how you want to be cared for and for those that care for you, Uh, helps them take a look at what they're doing, why they're doing, what they're doing as well. And then, of course, um, you can always go to DementiaMap.com, which is our global resource directory. And then last, I just want to mention two support groups I do. One is Caregiver Connect, which is in person at the Shoreview Community Center in Minnesota the last Wednesday of the month from 10 to 1130 We have care partners in one group, and we have respite care for those living with dementia in another. The second group is an online memory cafe, Arthur's Memory Cafe, that was one of the first in the country. And we meet the second and the fourth Wednesday every month online from 1 to roughly 3 p.m. Central Time. So that would be 2 to 4 Eastern and um, for either of those, you can reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Uh, I want to tell you next about q Block, and then we'll be right back with Ginger. I also want to introduce you all to Q-Blocks. They have been absolutely excellent to deal with. They have been in business for 18 years and they serve the globe. I can't say enough good things about this company. I've had a lot of bad experiences. I don't know about you with tech companies. They have made a very complicated process, very easy, and their staff is so kind, so polite, so respectful to work with. And, you know, when I am frustrated and ready to pull my hair out, they just smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. And they really are just on top of the communication, which alleviates so much stress as an owner when you're dealing with tech issues. You can get a 10% discount. Visit them at QBlocks at C U E. Blocks dot com, or you can email them at Let's Talk at dot com for that ten percent discount. Just put Lori L O R I in the inquiry form. And again, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I surely haven't been. I I can't rave enough about this company. And that's kind of rare these days. So Ginger, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I always love hearing people's personal stories of living with dementia. I think they are so powerful and so insightful and something that the public can't get enough of. And that goes for both people um, newly diagnosed because they struggle with what to expect, their families and professionals. All of us need to hear your story. So First of all, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Oh, I'm just so honored. I respect you so much, Lori, and your association. You do a beautiful thing. very, very needed right now with a with a population, elderly population, coming strong. We just need so much, so much education, so much resource, so much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. So if that a tiny bit of my story can help others, that's what I'm committed to do.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you. I'm going to have you kind of give us a little background on yourself prior to dementia. What was your life like?
1: Well, I'm I'm going to be 87. I'm a 86-year-old woman who about 10, 12 years ago, I was a speech-language pathologist. I had to retire due to symptoms of dementia. And uh, early on it was thought it was Alzheimer's because of course that's the most common, 80%. But I also uh, demonstrated physical symptoms of shuffling walk, uh, horrible tremors. And so they threw in Parkinson's. Well, that wasn't enough because I also exhibited Behavioral component, um, just you know, temper, uh, lewd behavior, things that just weren't me, and so I ended up actually in a wheelchair, and then sent to a nursing home because I fell eight times, and ended up in the nursing home, uh, bedridden, aphasic, um, hallucinating, tremoring, couldn't couldn't hold a, a pen or pencil. Um, dysphagia, couldn't eat um, you know uh, all those things and on all sorts of meds I was on 30 no not 30, 20 different medications and when they removed the curative ones as they do when you're in hospice oh I was in hospice dying when they removed all the curative ones just left the pain relievers somehow and I still don't know how I began to get better.
0: Well, you know, I think that's not as uncommon as we think it is. Uh We put pill after pill after pill after pill out there, and we're not looking at how they're interacting with one another. And it can cause a lot of problems if, if people really aren't on top of it. But, you know, as a patient, we think our doctors know what they're doing. And we trust them uh, to know what they're doing. And most of us, I mean, I know I I never knew that you could go to the pharmacist and ask them to analyze all the medications together and how they react to one another. You would think
1: so because I belong to Kaiser, which is a very, you know, to be preventative, they. Why the pharmacist didn't say what are you doing to this woman? You know why are you giving her antipsychotics? Uh, why are we you know, giving her all these meds? And they didn't. And um, like fortunately, uh, because I was dying, they removed those things. And uh, slowly, it, it was slow. It was you know it took over a year, a year and a half. That was um, just about exactly three years to this day that I came home. Wow. And getting better slowly.
0: That's that's incredible. Um now when you were going through all of this and if you're not comfortable sharing this that's okay too but did you have family Were you were you married or have anyone living with you that could see what was going on?
1: Did. I I'm not married but my son lives next door and he's very brilliant and he researched but he had a mindset that didn't accept, you know, I was diagnosed finally, I got to throw this in with Lewy body because I just fit all the symptoms of the physical, the mental, the behavioral, all that. And when I started to get better, they changed it to dementia with Lewy body features. And then when I came home, I petitioned Kaiser, my medical program, uh, to take dementia right off off the list. And they did, they did. And they even took off Voluntarily, uh, bipolar once, which I was had been um, diagnosed. God, about pardon me, <laughs> about twenty years ago. Actually, it was uh, Louie body features at that time, twenty thirty years ago. Louie body just wasn't known that much, and so they diagnosed me with bipolar, uh, which I never I never really had, and I'm, I'm clear to that now. I I'm on, now I'm on one medication for high blood pressure. That's all. That's over the counter things for my backache, but um, only one prescription med now.
0: Well, I know when you were talking about having different types of behaviors and stuff too, I was wondering about frontal temporal lobe because that can change your personality and and how you act and react to things as well. But it's, um, you know, most people don't understand that you can have more than one type of dementia. People think it's, you know, A, B, C, or D. And, you know, you hit the trifecta yeah. <laughs> and probably more so with your but, diagnoses. And um, it is kind of a crapshoot out there in terms of what, what the doctors do and don't know um, and what they understand. And when you come to realize that, that's pretty dang spooky.
1: I love that trifecta. Yeah. Um I I'm petitioning right now uh, Kaiser. I, I want to look up my records. I I you know it's such an incredibly wonderful thing that that happened. I I'm so full of gratitude and and appreciation. They didn't mean to do what they did. They it was the lack of knowledge and the luck. I think our problem with, well, I'm going to say with Alzheimer's or any form of dementia, you're just not looked at the whole person. That They'll pick a one thing and they'll say, oh, that's it. She's got that. And then all the other behaviors, everything else was just kind of shoveled under the rug, so to speak. And they focused on that, on just one thing. And uh, it's multifactorial, like you say. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think some people would say too, as you age, sometimes some doctors don't take you as seriously. But then you look at all the young people being diagnosed that can't get a diagnosis either. Right. You know, and it's it's real easy to say it's a a mental health situation when they when they don't have answers or well, they're depressed, well, who the heck wouldn't be when you're having those types of symptoms? you know who wouldn't be confused um,
1: right, you know. right, absolutely you know um i i I think um my family you know they really cared, but they listened to the, what the doctor said and they formed their own opinions um when I came home, it was pretty <laughs> horrifying because. Because I was dying, they sold all my furniture. So I came home from almost an empty condo here with a hospital bed in the living room. Now I want to say there's some wonderful people in my life. I now have a bed in the bedroom that was just all covered with junk and I can get my son to come out and visit. So a lot of good things have been happening in my life and I'm very appreciative.
0: Well, that's an amazing attitude to to have with all that. A lot of people would be spinning in the past and you're really living in the future and in the present moment, which I think is so important because we can't we can't control, you know, what happened. We can learn from it. And it'll be interesting if you can get your hands on your records. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be paranoid you're going to sue them or something because that's usually where they go. But again, it, it could really be a good learning tool.
1: Yeah, I'm really lucky because I've been a member of Kaiser for over, God, it's been almost 40 years. I worked uh, initially as an administrative assistant to the chief of staff. Then I put myself in graduate school as a transcriber, a transcriptionist. And then I went back and worked for Kaiser as a speech therapist. So I have a long history and I, I looked it up. I spend many a night looking that up and comparing my symptoms. I do a lot, I love a researcher by heart. And uh, I also want to let people know that I also worked at Stanford Neurology Clinic as a speech. So I, I have a certain amount of knowledge in the field. Mm-hmm. I worked as a caregiver myself. I took caregiver training and I just want to if I could just throw one thing out because the people are, you know, they hear me and they form opinions on what happened. But I believe uh, I, I actually was what they call early onset because I had symptoms in the 60s, the 50s. I actually had symptoms long, long before um, of, of dementia of that that uh, I kept overcoming. I don't know if you know my history, but I kept overcoming you know, complex trauma, alcoholism long history of recovery thank goodness um but the bipolar thing i already mentioned i kept overcoming and i think that helped give me resilience
0: mm-hmm.
1: so when and when i was in my 70s i was working uh, with autistic kids actually that was hard <laughs> 70 yep. years old and it was i just couldn't uh, overcome any more and it just took me and it took me and it wasn't long um, that I ended up in the nursing home. I fought it, you know. Well, actually, by the time my family put me in the nursing home, I had like learned helplessness mm-hmm. and a sonosia where I didn't really know. I just didn't understand that I had dementia. I knew something was wrong, desperately wrong. Mm-hmm. But even with my working with dementia patients, I didn't ascribe it to me. Sure. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting because you know you had mentioned the Parkinsons and and the Lewy body and and then you know you had talked about the bipolar and a lot of times they will give antipsychotics for those which I'm really sure. just you know uh, they blow up Lewy body symptoms absolutely and, and so there's so many different antipsychotics out there that people really Have to stay away from. And even just, you know, patients with dementia in general, you know, things like Valium, I can't remember all the names of them, but I mean, there's just so, so many different medications that make such a a huge impact. And if a doctor doesn't know those, you know, counter um, reactions, they're not going to pick up on it. Or if no one's diagnosed the Lewy body yet because they're calling it bipolar, and then they're going to give it because, well, this works for that. You know, there has to be a rhyme or reason. And I know with those medications, typically they they follow up and they see how things are going. And sometimes they do blood draws and things like that even. Yeah. But they need to listen to the families of what has changed since those medications have been given. Well, that- and
1: also, I, I truly believe that it's the social... Um behavior of of the caregiver and the caregivers both uh, in family or uh, that that there are other ways you can treat a person with dementia than than there, there are like um, they're like for instance I also will out uh creative fibbing mm-hmm. for instance you know that that uh, or uh just getting into their world or understanding uh that they don't realize. I, I didn't mean to be mean. I, I'm going to also say that I lost 140 pounds because I believe food was lava. I would look. I wanted to eat. I would look down at that plate, and there would be this moving lava, and I couldn't get it to my mouth. So, um, fortunately I'm normal weight now, but I was emaciated at, at one point. And, um, like I say, dying. So... Um, I also want to throw out, if I can, um, you mentioned, or, or I want to mention the fact I am writing my memoir because I'm, I'm hopefully it, it'll be of help for people. In far as my research. And I did add a, a tips for caregiver part. And maybe you, gosh, I think it's around 10 pages. The whole darn memoir is 300. <laughs> yeah. And I had resources. You, of course. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and um, so I think it would it would really be for both patients if they're newly diagnosed they can absorb it. Certainly for caregivers, that's what I would I would love to provide that information to help them. It's a terrible terrible grind. My heart goes out to caregivers. They have the hardest job in the world. My poor family or the people who cared for me. Uh, You know, uh, my behavior was so abhorrent. It was nasty, you know, um, terrible things that I did. And I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to refuse showers or refuse food. It wasn't because I hated them. I, I actually have reason in my in my head for it. Oh,
0: sure. Well, like you said, when the food is moving and it looks like lava, that's the last thing you want to put in your mouth. Or, is, or even if you're trying to get it, if it's moving, you know, in your eyes, it, that makes it difficult. And there's always a reason for the reaction. And I think we don't ask that question enough. What is the reason? We label it instead. You know, we label it a behavior instead of it's a, it's a clue for us um, to figure out something's wrong because this isn't their normal behavior. And so something is off and we have to start looking a lot of times, I think, at the environment because it can be lighting, it can be sound, it can be colors, it can be taste. I mean, it can be so many different things. It can be medications, you know, that aren't mixing well together. Um, But there's always... There's always a reason if we slow down and look for it.
1: I just read somebody the other day. I, I did like I say, I, I gather stuff from a lot of sources, and my tips for caregivers. Whatever I can say that, but I'm I'm doing it as a perspective of someone who lived it. Mm-hmm. Most of the books out now are written by caregivers, and I'm someone who came back and lived it, and I can say what was in my heart, what was in my mind. Compared to, you know, so I I think I could give that that lived perspective a twist.
0: Oh yeah, because we're just all guessing, you know. We're we're not in your body. We don't know what it feels like, what it looks like, what it sounds like. Um, And so yeah, if we can hear, that's why I think it's so important that we talk with people like you, um, because that lived experience there's there's nothing more profound, and exacting um and and gives us great insights how to how to care better than hearing what the actual needs are out there what it what it felt like what i mean because you might be able to figure out even what triggered some things too oh
1: yeah Um, yeah i like i i refused showers because i had lost so much weight my rear end was bony and mm-hmm. sitting on those shower bench without a towel or a padding was agonizing for me. So I was screaming bloody murder. The water coming down scared me. Um, they, you know, they need they need to adjust the temperature before they put you in and then do it. You know, little things like that. I, I have in my tips for caregivers that that I can say that's why I was acting up like. And it's not because I was trying to be mean, because it just looks on the surface like this person is horrible. Well, I I wasn't. I was I was another person. I'm not that person anymore, fortunately, for my family. And but it's taken a long time, Lori. I was ghosted for quite a bit of time by many members of my family uh, when I came home because of the way I acted. I'm getting them back
0: good but it it is it's all those little things i remember my mom um, she used to love the water and all of a sudden she didn't like showers and she was starting to really act out and i thought there's got to be a reason and i happened to be at a tipa snow conference and i talked to her afterwards and i'll never forget this tipa said well as we age we lose our fat pads and i said well my mom's a big woman she says it has nothing to do with size It has to do with the nerve endings being closer to the skin. And she said, so when we have, and this was before rain shower heads were really popular and stuff, but, you know, we have that hard forceful um, water pouring down. She says, it's like somebody pounding on their back. It hurts and it's a shock. And then, like you said, the temperature, little things Mm -hmm. like starting at the feet and working our way up and. People will say they're cold, well then throw a towel over them. what's one more wet towel, you know, so nobody gets hurt and the job gets done and you don't have to worry about infections and, and disease, you know, if, if someone is fighting their showers all the time, cause that, that can be a whole nother ball of wax, you know, it's, it's using some common sense, but again, you don't know what you don't know. And if we don't have right. these conversations, then you know, more people, uh, the more conversations like this we have, the more people will get educated and they can share that information. Every community, as far as I'm considered, should have handheld rain shower heads in their bathrooms. Oh, and I know they right. still don't.
1: Yeah, I actually um, did an interview with Tifa Snow about a year and a half ago, and she asked me back. I'm going to mm-hmm. be on her program tomorrow. She's, and she called me a unicorn. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, because I I have kind of uh, over phoenix too, like <laughs> rising from the ashes, you know. Uh, I was really really tickled that she did because I really respect everything she's everything she talks about. Yeah. She's got it. so I I incorporated a lot of my uh, taper snow's advice giving it my own angle. And uh, I think that uh, people will be really happy to, I hope, read read it because you know I'm I'm committed. This is my goal in life is to help out. Uh, it's my purpose. Uh, it's almost like, well, I I had a near death experience, dying, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like I came back for a reason, maybe to help caregivers, to help people with my lived experiences of, of, that not too many people can talk about being what happened and come back from it and I fortunately have and with great gratitude so and I'm so glad that you present what you do and that I'm a, my unusual history that you have accepted me to talk about it because a lot of people are not too thrilled with some of the things I talk about the giving up the, the meds, for instance, they don't or um, treating people understanding that they don't mean what they what's happening on the surface. So you got to go deeper. Some of them, you know, they're, and then and then they make the comment. Well, you can't you can't recover. Well, hey, hello, I did. You know, and I have something I hope to say. I don't have forever. Being eighty-six, you know, I um, they say you have a fifty percent chance of getting Alzheimer's or any sort of dementia at at my age. I i i I want I want to know. I passed a long, three-hour neurological evaluation not long ago, Mm -hmm. and I passed it with uh, above average to above answers, and so I I was cleared. I was able to get dementia cleared from my record too. Wow,
0: that's amazing. I I know I've tried to get a couple of things off my chart um when I was a when I was giving care I um I ended up having asthma and I ended up I I took a a small uh, like anti-anxiety um type medication and I said, you know, I don't need that anymore. I just want that off. Oh no, we can't pull anything off your record and I'm like it was all triggered from the stress. You know, uh, yeah. it's like, well, whatever, you know, I haven't had it in, you know, since what, 2001 when my dad died, you know, for the anti-anxiety and, and my asthma, um, I haven't used my inhaler and I can't even tell you how long. And so it it's kind of amazing what stress can do for our bodies. And then you, you add in all these other things um, I just, I can't even imagine being on 20 different medications, you know, <laughs> and you know, and the diagnosis that you got, um, they're all major, you know, they're big thing. I, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I would love a cure. And I believe there are some medications that can help you not progress as fast, but I don't see a cure out there. Um, probably in my lifetime I'm 64 you know I would love to see that come to fruition but to me dementia is kind of like cancer there are many different forms of cancer and there are many different forms of dementia and we seem to still be focusing on just kind of one theory based Uh, I know many are trying to break through with other types of theories but I, I think there's going to be a lot of different treatments for the different types and then when you have multiple types just like people have you know their cancer um, metastasizes and now okay now they've got lung cancer and they've got liver cancer you know that changes their treatment plan and- yeah
1: dementia being a kind of an umbrella word too yep. Uh, yep yeah and i i it seemed like i had pieces of different ones um mm-hmm. and frontotemporal was one they threw out at me uh, Cause of the behavioral aspect that's how bruce willis happened to bruce willis you know mm. and robin williams is my hero um what he went through uh just horrible horrible that brilliant brain of his attacked and um you know it can attack anybody it, it, it's um it, it, it there's no limit to the race the age the country it just it pretty much it's universal
0: Yep, doesn't care how much money you make or don't make, or yeah, you know, if you've been a good person or not. Right, <laughs> right. Right. It.
1: well, that's uh, an interesting point. You know, we're, we're we're expecting the poor caregivers to love the person with dementia. What if they were part-ass? Yes, you know, that's you know, my I was no saint. Um, I you know when I, I aggravated. Quite a bit of my family, quite a bit before I got the dementia, so that added to the ghosting, I mm-hmm. think. But I'm I'm different. I, I, I the experience I had really changed me uh, for the better. Uh, I think I'm a better person now. I'm mm-hmm. certainly working really hard at being understanding and being mm-hmm. honest and um, be uh, be transparent, as they say. All this new stuff coming. It was like I was an alien. Um, being born, because uh, I was in I was had my dementia in 2019 during COVID, and I was in this lonely room. Uh, the people, the station home I was in, kept losing people left and right. It left me with only me and her mother, and we, I was totally isolated. People wearing masks. I'm hard of hearing. I couldn't couldn't understand people, so I went through that horrible experience of. I thought I was a granny drop, you know, what, a granny? Yeah, yep. because, uh, yeah, my family had said, we can't see you for three months. Said, what? The you know, and it wasn't, I I went through thinking that was happening to me, and then one day they pushed me past a, a TV, and I saw people wearing masks, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm not, you know, that was so overwhelming. What a wonderful feeling that was not to be, have that abandoned feeling and realize i wasn't.
0: Yeah, and there are families that do the granny drops at a hospital or an airport, all kinds of different places. It's just unbelievable. I I couldn't I couldn't imagine that. Yeah, um, but it but it does happen and the pandemic i think made everybody look at the world a little bit different and i think it got a lot of people to be much more compassionate towards how we do care for people in community uh, because they were feeling isolated, you know, by themselves, um, not being able to go into work, not being able to see friends. Uh, And I think that opened family and friends eyes of what a loved one's going through in a community as well.
1: I think it opened up Zoom, which I didn't even know existed. When Mm -hmm. I came home and I was still isolated, I was still ghosted and, I got this wonderful volunteer from Peninsula Family Service. I think almost every community has something, mm-hmm. um, and or if it doesn't, they sure should. That I've taken a lot of advantage of wonderful people in this world. Um, network, uh, no, next door. I belong to a next door organization. Uh-huh. Oh my, you know, uh, they have provided. I think I told you they came in and, and cleared out my bedroom. Uh, they're They're my family now, in a way that i have I've established a real family, a real connection I'm so grateful for them and for the people who have come back in my life. You know I had a horrible experience that in um twenty nine what was it twenty nineteen almost twenty twenty when the sky turned red in California because of the fires mhm and I truly thought I'm lying in bed, I'm motionless, I can't get out of bed at that point. Uh, and she had just fired a bunch of her, her employees and didn't have any people left to take care of. And I thought, wow, I'm just gonna lie here and get burned to death. I begged them to put me on the floor at least so I could crawl. Um, There
0: was a lot going on. That's for sure. Um, When you look back, I mean, I think as a kid and granted our TV didn't cover near what it does today, but boy, the world is so fast paced and there's so many tragedies that we hear about. And, you know, when you're by yourself, I mean, I I know a lot of, a lot of people, my age, both younger and older, don't even watch the news anymore because it's just Mm. too much tragedy.
1: Oh, and it
0: is. They just they can't take it and so they they choose just to turn it off and try to live a more simple life. You know, is that good or bad? I don't know. I, I'm one of those I don't watch the news near like I used to because I, I find it gets me down at times.
1: Um, I, I do I do too, but I just have drawn toward it for some reason and you know, I, I yeah, I have to admit I, I do watch certainly more than I should. You know what I want to add something about uh, my recovery, if I may. That Mm -hmm. I think really has helped a great deal is something called neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. I think that I was born with some sort of. I hope I don't know. They'll have to do an autopsy. Wait till I die, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to donate my brain. I made. I just talked to my son the other day. I said I want to go to Stanford. I. Uh, I, you know, and he agreed. So I'm I'm in that process. But uh, uh, yeah, I I think there was something in the neurons. Maybe uh, that that quick weight loss pruned. They call it autophagy. Maybe pruned some neurons, and 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 they were folded. That's what happened to Louie Body they were able to open up. And there's so many exciting things. Coming down, the, like you say, maybe not in your lifetime, maybe certainly not mine. But I'm seeing stuff left and right in my research that just shows shows that I think is going to happen. I really do.
0: Well, there's a lot out there now with, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like electric uh, therapy and changes to the molecules and stuff. I mean, it's there's it's it's just constant but they need more money for all these very things and i think we need more money poured into our care system too for social support like if it's via zoom and getting people equipment and internet or if it's in-person meetings. I, I think that social aspect is so critically important. I really think that's why my mom lived 30 years was because she was socially connected.
1: Oh. Well, I, I'm, I'm a member of a number of, what do they call it? Social support network. Of dementia Alliance is one of very, very wonderful, like part of this, I call it my policy. Yep, dementia alliance. <laughs> my <laughs> Also, um life ring and uh women for sobriety because I, I did have a history of drinking too much long time ago. I'm a long time mm-hmm. survivor of that. But um yeah, I I I like I say I'm petitioning Kaiser. There's a um a test that uh, they're doing a blood test now mm-hmm. that they can see certain things that there are precursors to dementia that uh, they're discovering. And I'm, that's, to me, that's exciting too, Because if you catch it early, there's so much more you can do with somebody. You you, you can teach them ways and, and uh, systems that can help before they have to pile on the meds. I understand, I mean, I'm not totally against meds. I you know at my worst i can understand why they had to give me mad. i was screaming they had to put me in a special room i screamed so much um yeah i'm, I'm i just i think if, if that's why i love the fact that your organization was really putting pushing forth for early recognition mm-hmm. of the, the possibility of, of dementia and you know go ahead and get get tested it it can only benefit you and your loved one because you don't have to go to the end up in a nursing home and totally I say you can you can work with them in in their home as long as possible i really think that that was so important when I, when I finally got home i changed my diet i mean there are a lot of things that can be done exercise diet music there's so much more than just shutting someone in a room and giving them meds
0: yeah well even just hydration for yourself i mean yeah if hydration you're not, if you're not eating and you're not drinking fluids and they're still giving you the same amount of medications that's going to have an impact you yep. know on your body and dehydration alone can cause dementia symptoms you know lack of sleep i mean there's so many different variables, um, mm-hmm. exercise, mm-hmm. the food, the social interaction. I mean, it's, uh, and the list keeps growing, you know, all the time in terms of what all can really impact um, living healthy. And so many people, like you said, getting diagnosed early, they, they may or may not have to give up their jobs right away, depending on the company, depending on the symptoms that they have. I would love to see more companies working with people to be able yeah. to um, have someone stay on the job, maybe change their responsibilities a bit, but boy, getting booted out the door, that's hard on the ego. And, and that happens to a lot of people, you know, they're just told, no, you can't work here anymore. Um, you know, I
1: worked, I worked till I was 75 with the, you know, wild kids and um, my symptoms were showing um, and I fought it. I, you know, I got pretty good at what they call not sundowning, but they call it sun shining mm-hmm. where you can rustle up really intelligent conversation when you have to, like in front of a doctor. Mm-hmm. So here my first family is saying she does this, she does that. And I'm like, well, here I am, alert as can be, walk out there, and I'm like, you know, I I took every bit of my energy to to appear normal, fought it so hard, and all the time my poor family would see me at at my worst, it caused a lot of stress between us, yeah. Oh, and that's
0: so common. Families say that all the time. It's like, they they acted perfectly fine at the doctor, you know, and the doctor's looking at us like, "What's going on?" There, you know, or family members come in from out of town or friends, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you, what are you talking about?" And it's, and and people with dementia kind of giggle in the background a lot of times afterwards when sure. they realize what happened, and it wasn't to be deceitful, but again, you're trying. You're trying to protect your own dignity. Absolutely, no, you—you
1: know, you you your pride, your dignity, your—you—you're your thinking you're not as bad as you don't understand what is happening to you. You—you mm-hmm. you know, I—I I advise people maybe do do a video, do a video. Although, you know, uh, when when you're deep into dementia, denial is such a big thing. You can watch a video. You're. Self misbehaving and it's just clueless. Well, that's not. I mean, you faked it or something like that. I, yeah. uh, I, I was hallucinating. People were coming in the house. I, you know, I can. I remember every one of my hallucinations compared to dreams. I forget dreams right away, but I can recite them to you. Just right now, they were usually about an animal being tortured, and I was able. And I, this is another thing I would really. Be able to help caregivers with is that I was able to use lucid dreaming with my hallucinations, and I was able to give them a happy ending, a happy uh, like I I had a a injured donkey that was you know, and she ended up me. I was the donkey. I ended up in a special uh, animal preserve, happy. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm able to teach things like that, and yet I haven't quite got the caregivers to accept me yet like i talked Mm -hmm. about before um i almost see me kind of as a threat to their caregiving caregiving um yeah i think a little bit that's my family was a little bit that way i know they wanted to be the heroic caregivers and here i am recovering and saying wait a minute i want to shower myself I uh, want I I, I want to use the remote myself, you know, mm-hmm. and it it was tough wrestling that from them, but my independence and my pride, I fought hard for it, and and things are better, Lori. They're a hundred percent better. My my Christmas, people showed up that haven't showed up in my family in a long time. It was it oh, was nice. kind of beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it was. Well,
0: well, you know, you're fighting against stigmas where families have been told they can't learn anything new. So why are you telling me that they can learn something new? You're not a doctor. The doctors are telling us over and over and over. And yet, you know, I do a thing with Mary Crescenzo, who's a master artist um, out in California. And we do it by Zoom, and it's called Dimension the Arts. And people showcase their artwork. And many of them never did art before dementia and, you know, things from jewelry and painting and photography and molding. And I mean, just all kinds of things. And, and you know, we're doing it to help break down those stigmas of, you know, that is not true. You mm-hmm. know, everything mm-hmm. that we hear is not, you know, cast in stone and every person is different. So they're going to react different. Mm-hmm. And I think the one thing, you know, to me, if if a caregiver has to learn that'll help them is try it. You got nothing to lose. Just try something new. The worst yeah. that's going to happen is you're going to be right and it didn't work. Yeah. But you might see a miracle before your eyes. And I would encourage you to try it more than once in different times because what works in one moment might not work the next. Um, but to not be so rigid. Um, I think we really have to be fluid when we're caring for somebody with dementia and we have to be open to new ideas because what we have right now. Yeah, it's better than when my mom got diagnosed, you know, but it's a long ways from being perfect. Long way. I,
1: li- I like to say you have to enter their world. You have to um, I, be, be generous, be Ask them, for instance, ask them how to do something, and make them feel like they're they're part of the the your home that I have a value. Mm-hmm. I just felt valueless. For I I felt like you know my bathroom habits were were disgusting to them. Well, understand why I didn't I didn't know what I was doing with that with that, and uh, I think I, a little more, a lot more, like you say, a lot more patience, a lot more um realizing that the person their mind is is so mixed up that they don't know what they're doing i didn't realize what if i did something disgusting that it was disgusting for instance or that i was asking questions over and over or begging was a big one um i don't think people and to this day doctors realize how much pain can affect a person with dementia because I had a terrible back problem that was totally dismissed. Oh, she's malingering. And uh, even in hospice where supposedly they give you all kinds of medication, I wasn't given the medication that I should have been given. I came home and I had begged, begged for an MRI. And when I had that MRI, it showed I have severe, severe spinal problems. You Know and, and all that time I was just, you know, she's malingering that hurt, mm-hmm. that really hurt. So, yeah. if the caregivers can start maybe a, a little trust,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I, I believe that that and so that's why I think my story can help people. Uh, if I would be happy to send it out to anybody who's interested, and in, what they call it, NPF, you know, I would send oh, an a email, p- a PDF. PDF, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So sure just send it. You give me your email, and and I'll send it out PDF. It's, it's it's long, so if you only want the caregiver section, let me know. I can just send that specifically that, or the okay. resource section. But I go into, I go into quite. Someone said that's not a, I'm. It's not an autobiography. It's an autobiography, Because <laughs> I come, I come up at a. Really interesting life is that, yeah, a lot of stuff happened and I kept overcoming, you know, I had to watch my baby die, that was tough, my mother's euthanasia, my son's prison, Um, a lot of stuff I kept overcoming. I think that helped me in the long run to to help uh, my quote unquote recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of uh, building up the resilience. Oh, and and compassion, Laura, I got to add this one in. It's so important. And I think it was the compassion I felt for my poor little caregivers who were small Asian women mostly could not lift me because my body, I would just fall to the ground. I would crumple. And so they had to leave me in bed hours after hours, diaper, you know, just... And so I, I swear, one day I just I said I'm, I'm going to stand for these people. I'm going to stand for us. And I think compassion was the trigger. I think it was the trigger to start my my recovery.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to to be with us um, today, Ginger. And her phone number is six five zero five eight five. Three two three three and email is ginger and then speech s p e e c h at gmail.com. dot and uh, feel free to request your book or maybe you have a question for her.'m sure she would be more than glad to glad to answer and I would highly recommend for our audience you know be a giver of hope, like click and share, pass ginger stories on uh to to others you don't know who in your sphere of influence needs to hear what she has to say this is such an uncomfortable conversation for so many people it is and yet um i feel um personally i mean i know i've learned from you today i know people who are diagnosed or are, are struggling to get a diagnosis would learn from you their families as well as professionals none of us are in this alone and we all have an effect on anyone who's diagnosed and uh, and the ones that care for them. So we have to have these conversations out loud, without embarrassment, without judgment, and just learn. Uh, again, uh, <clears throat> Ginger, thank you so much for your time today. And I would also like to just remind people, uh, if you're looking for some free educational resources, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. We've got a ton of them there. You can also access our book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care. And if you're looking for uh, someone for uh, a conference or staff training, I do that as well. And I'm sure Ginger would love to talk to you as well. So um, we've got resources. Tap into them. Have a brilliant week, everyone. Bye now.
1: I'm so honored. So honored. Thank you, Lori.
0: Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors